Welcome to 90% Hits, a podcast usually about the number one songs in Australia in the 1990s, and sometimes not about that, <laughs> where we choose our own songs, and sometimes something else altogether, which we'll explain to you in a moment, which is what this evening is. I'm Tim Coyle, and I'll be your host for this evening, and with me are Casey Atkins. Good evening, everyone. Danny Yao. Hello. And down the line from the Gold Coast, Tim Byron. One does not simply change a 90% hits podcast into something else. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but we do. (laughs) For we have taken the winning choose-your-own-adventure formula (laughs) and made it even more winning because, look, tonight we thought we'd do an end-of-year show for 2013, cover some of the hits and misses and our favourite songs and our not-so-favourite songs. So, for uh, housekeeping purposes, all of us have chosen a film from this year, um, which will be placed on a four-sided die and will let us know whose song will be spoken about. Okay, Casey, what film of 2013 have you picked? Uh, Despicable Me 2. Danny. Uh, About Time, the wonderful Richard Curtis film. Tim Byron. The Hobbit. And, well, look, I trump all of you because I pick Sharknado. <laughs> okay. So, Casey, if you want to do the Freaking dice rolling honours. Number one, about time, which means Danny's choice will be up first. Um, yeah, well, uh, yeah, we don't do the thing where you're trying to guess what I chose. <laughs> that would be impossible for me. Uh, I chose... Uh, Frank Turner, Recovery. Blacking in and out in a strange flat in East London Somebody I don't really know just gave me something to help settle me down And to stop me from always thinking about you And you know your life is heading in a questionable direction When you're up for days of strangers and you can't remember anything Except the way you sounded when you told me you didn't know what I should do Like every other day and just like every boring blues song I get swallowed by the pain And so I fumble for your figure in the darkness Just to make it go away But you're not lying there any longer And I know that that's my fault So I've been pounding on the floor And I've been crawling up the walls And I've been dipping in my darkness With serotonin boosters Cider and some kind of smelling salts Daddy, recover. <laughs> recover from that. No, uh, Frank Turner, why is this uh, your pick for 2013? Uh, well, I discovered Frank Turner in 2007 when he sort of signed to a major label, well, a major-ish label, and put out this record called Love Iron Song, which was my favourite record of that year. And I've followed him ever since. These records have always sort of made my top ten on and off. There's been better ones and less, less, less good ones. 
And he's sort of gotten to that point where I just buy his albums, you know, it's like Wilco or whoever. Um, and I had this album for, for most of this year, and I kept listening to it until I realised that this is actually fantastic. And it's great when a band does that. Like, you come back to it and you go, I get what he does, but this is actually better than almost any other record he's ever done. It's a heartbreak record from him. Uh, he's usually quite a political songwriter. And this this time around, he just sort of wrote about his friends and, and partners and love. Uh, and this song in particular was the big single from it. He, uh, you know, it's very different from what he does. It's a lot wordier than what he usually does. It's kind of sounds, it's got the piano, which is a very prominent part of his band now. And it's, for me, you know, it's the best track off my favourite record of the year. So uh, it's a year for me that hasn't been the greatest year either. So, you know, it's, it's really sort of touched a nerve. And talking about Frank as well, he... Uh, this year he got to open the London Olympics. And so seeing him get to that point, he's easily the lowest-selling artist to play the Olympics. <laughs> and uh, he's just following, as a fan, uh, following his year has been very important to me. And this song, yeah, it's an unbelievable... It's a kick-ass song as well. It's so... Uh, there's so much going on in it. It is so simple in a way, but the band arrangement that, that they throw into it just kicks ass. Just when you think the song is over, there's another hook that comes in and they perform the fuck out of it. So this is a song that I know I'll carry with me for, for years on end. Okay. Um, Tim Byron, had had you heard this song before Danny chose it for this podcast? And more importantly, what did you think? No, so I hadn't heard this song before Danny uh, chose it for the podcast. Um, one thing I'm going to do for this podcast is I've gone and researched how this uh, how these songs did in the charts here and elsewhere. And so this song didn't get into the Australian charts, but it was a number 75 single in the UK, but more importantly, a lead single from a number two album called Tape Deck Heart, which is the one that Danny's talking about. And um, Frank Turner is obviously huge in the UK because he just sold out Wembley, of all places. So, yeah, he sold out um, so Wembley at the start of the year. So it's this huge UK cultural phenomenon that we've totally missed, I guess. And um, it, it, It's... Sorry, just on that quickly, just, yeah, I saw him play at the Annandale two weeks before he played Wembley. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so that's sort of how the difference is. <laughs> yeah, wow. So um, so this is something, yeah, I'd, I'd miss. I, I knew that Frank Turner existed because um, I'd seen a little bit of stuff about the England um, Something My Bones album. Keep uh, yeah, England, rest my bones or whatever. And, um, and yeah, so I had, but like, he, he didn't really do it for me. Like, he's in that kind of world of kind of folky guys who like Springsteen too much for me. And um, for many of you, that's not a problem, but it is for me, like, there's something lacking there, like some sort of, I want some sort of more melodic spark or, or something like that. And so listening to this, I was sort of expecting it to be a little less, um, or a little more boring than it actually was. I, I I listened to it a couple of times and it didn't do that much for me at first, but um, I, I, it grew on me and I came to sort of, you know, the, there's a lot of, it's really wordy, there's a lot of lyrics in this song and, um, and that, that's sort of one of the things that reminds me of Springsteen in that kind of blinded by the light kind of way where there's way too many words and you should cut down on a few, <laughs> but it kind of works in a way, now I've listened to it a few times, like it kind of works in that kind of, um, you know, he just wants to get it all out kind of way, like it, it feels like that. And so, yeah, so it's something I've grown to like, and it, it reminds me a bit of the Arctic Monkeys in that kind of way. And he kind of reminds me in the, of the Arctic Monkeys in that he's kind of like, you know, like the Billy Bragg was sort of like the folky guy who took the sounds of the Clash and the jam and stuff like that and made it into sort of a folk kind of stuff. I feel like that um, the Frank Turner is sort of the equivalent for like the generation who like the Arctic Monkeys and the people are relating to him on that level. 
but yeah, like the chorus is pretty good. I want the, I wanted this song to have more <laughs> striking lyrics. Like there's a, a really good line about um, you know, let's tell them that we met in jail, and that that's a great line. But I wanted there to be more of that in a song that was so wordy, and so that's something I, I was like, oh, it's not quite there. Uh, but like the. You know, I guess the theme of the song is kind of like that there's lots of broken people out there and they can get better if they work on it. And that's that's a good uh, sentiment, but it's not one that I personally relate so much to because I guess I'm not that broken. So it, it wasn't something that uh, that like hit me in the heart, but I came to appreciate it after a few listens. Okay, Casey, where does Frank Turner fit into your 2013? Um, so I think I listened to the last Frank Turner record a little bit and it was probably, I actually was certainly Danny that pointed me in that direction and, and, and Joe, my wife, really picked up on it. Um, so it was on a lot because of that. Um, and, I, and I quite liked it, um, the last one. And then when this one came out, she was like, okay, great, new Frank Turner record, excellent. And we listened to this one, and this absolutely blew my socks off. Like this, because this is the opening song of yeah. the record as well. And I think that this, and so I listened to the record a, a few times, you know, back then, and and it just kind of faded and for, for, for reasons that we'll talk about later, where I was listening to a lot of different stuff this year. But um, when you put this on the, on uh, as your pick and I went and listened to it again this song is stunning like I think this song is absolutely spectacular um, I find his delivery of those lyrics it, it's ultra wordy but the wordiness of it is the point in the song it's very mm. it's kind of like you said Tim Byron it's very he's, he's getting everything out there it's very cathartic he's got a lot to say and he's saying it but I find the most amazing thing about this song is that um, the tone of the lyrics against the tone of the music and if you weren't listening to the words you'd think oh this is a pretty happy boppy kind of song and then you listen to what he's singing about and you go whoa like it, and it, it's it's amazing in that way and I think it's all extremely deliberate he's talking about some very very dark stuff a very dark time in either his life or the life of whoever he's speaking from the perspective of um, and there's you know, there's elements of hope to it but there's also elements of no hope whatsoever to it mm. yet the music is is just so it's all major key and it's up tempo and it's a shuffle rhythm and it's so against what's actually being sung about that is so it, it's just amazingly put together I, I find this I find this quite stunning and the and the record is is great so yeah I have heard it a few times this year and it was definitely something that I took notice of during the year but um but had I guess forgotten about a little bit until Danny um, brought it up again and was really really happy to be listening to it again yeah, it's definitely the major chords, minor themes uh, kind of thing yeah. uh, going on with this. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit of a dissenting voice here, but uh, only a little. Um, look, I like Frank Turner a lot. England Keep My Bones was a fantastic record, and Tape Deck Heart is also a fantastic record. This isn't... I, I don't think it's a great opener. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, look, uh, most, of, most of my criticisms of it are mostly quibbles, because I think it's it's quite decent, um, but on this album, I don't think it's anywhere near the best song on it um, for mine. Um, the wordiness, look, so many words. Um, 
<laughs> I think I think the thing about this song is that it, it showcases the best and the worst of Frank Turner. Oh. The best being that chorus is fantastic, and he by the time he hits that and the way he's able to get there um, is is really really good. The verses, the wordiness is kind of some points it works, some it doesn't. Like the, the amount of words, sometimes he's breaking the meter. Mm. Of what he's singing, and oh yeah, he's all over it. Sta- it start it starts to fall a bit uh, to bits a little in in the verses, but and also that's the, the point. I he's know, falling to bits, I know, that's but, what I... but also the the parts where he's gasping. I, I get that's also the point, but kind of gasping to shoutiness yeah. at the end. He's done that a lot of times already. It's just, it's such a, you know, that's Frank Turner's stock ball that you can smack out of the park. It's, you know, you would consider it a bad delivery if a bowler was throwing that one down kind of thing. Um, I, I would agree with you on, on, on most of your points, actually. Like, A, because I guess I'm a big fan, this is not even in my, like, half like, there's seven better tracks on here, mm. at least, mm. on the album. But there is something about this song that represents the album. And so different from England, Keep My Bones. And the other thing, and I think maybe um, Casey had a similar reaction at some point, but um, being a big fan, it just sounded initially like another good Frank Turner record. Mm. And yeah, like, there's no real difference in the sound. This is, he's singing about something a little bit different. But yeah, it was only on repeated listens that, that for me, that this song came out of. Yeah. Because yeah... It does, on the surface, just sound like another good Frank Turner single. Mm. He's doing the same tricks. He's doing the same scream. He's got the few clever lyrics. Uh, and I have to say, for Tim Byron as well, that line about, let's make a deal. If anybody asks us, let's just say we made a jail. jail. It's just a great bit of lyrical nonsense, isn't it? Yeah it's, yeah. it's Dylan-esque, sort of tangled up in blue, sort of. he To the point where you just pretty know that he had that place in that song. And he just wanted to put a good line in there. And it does stick out to the ears so well. Uh, it's it's yeah. a very clever songwriting trick, I think. Yeah. It's so, like, look, the, the wordiness isn't necessarily a criticism because by the time we get to my pick, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll be covering some of the, the, the same things here. But Danny, for you, the change in lyrical direction, because you mentioned it, that this is a very personal album mm. for him, whereas... Before this, his reputation was mainly as a political singer-songwriter. How, how did you how did you go with that as a long-time fan? Um, again, like, I mean, this is, like, it was, it's such a subtle change because it, musically he didn't do it because he's, no, he, he has that feel of he sings political songs like he sings love songs and he sings love songs like he sings political songs. And he screams them all and he's got, and he takes everyone with full-throated energy. So initially I didn't even realise that that was what he was doing. Uh, and yeah, and it was a uh, big change, but I didn't really love England Keep My Bones as much as I did previous records because of the politics. Mm. It was so much about how he felt about England um, and their lack of heart there. And my favourite Frank Turner songs, much like my favourite Billy Bragg songs and my favourite Bob Dylan songs and any other great political songwriter mm. are their love songs. So, you know, for him to do an album just of those where he's not talking about Thatcher... And he's not talking about there's no God and, you know, whatever. There's, it's, uh, yeah, it was a strange thing. So it took me a while to get to that point and realise that this is a lot of songs. Well, there was also the, there was a little bit of a contretemps with the the Guardian where he gave a quote, I think, to Alex Petridis that, um, because, look, his politics are quite interesting because you assume Frank Turner is going to be a left wing 
um, singer-songwriter when, you know, he's made statements to the effect that he's not. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, a lot of a lot of Guardian readers were up in arms because he wasn't who they thought he was. I, I wonder how much that the backlash from some of those statements was, okay, I'm just going to write a, an album of uh, album of love songs. What's a contratomps? Uh, set to <laughs> so controversy. You could have said, yeah, yeah I could have. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Tim Coyle. We're it dealing just with. wasn't the word that was in the front of my <laughs> so, brain. So, my, so what, my what favorite sentiments that aren't left wing. What, what's the the thing my, going on? Well, there? there's a one of my favorite songs. The title track of Love Love Iron Song. There is a line about uh, it was worse when we turned to the kids on the left and got let down again by some poor excuse for protests. Idiot, fi- idiot fucking hippies in 50 fucking factions all acting like they're in some sort of 60s battle reenactment. You know? And he's he obviously went to university and did all the protests and stuff like that, but I think he got really turned off by how the left couldn't agree. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we all do to get older. Of course. And But I think there is... And that's, the, that's the nature of the left. <laughs> it's like, hold on, you can't say that. You can't tell everyone that the left isn't agreeing. Yeah. Like, uh, and he's very forceful about that. And he's very... And I guess it, he's a symptom of that as well, that the left yeah, isn't agreeing. And it's, and it's also... Uh, look, I think he's described himself economically as a classical liberal. He, he definitely believes in things like free markets and stuff like that. Right. Which, yeah, a lot of his listeners hear that and they're like, oh, he's not who I thought yeah. he was. I thought he was Billy Bragg. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's decidedly not in that regard. But in, in a but way... Billy Bragg is... Billy Bragg is probably not quite left wing, like <coughs> not the as classical much as left wing, because he's got the patrioticy <laughs> kind of stuff, and he's also got the kind of mm. he's like an old school uniony kind of mm. guy, rather than necessarily the more identity politics uh, left wing that's happening these days. Yeah, he also writes about war a bit too much. I think Frank Turner he writes about old wars and just you know mm. and the romance of it and uh, well, like medieval uh, <laughs> medieval wars. <laughs> well, I mean, also you know when there's another song about the left, which he sings so much about about come on, let's be uh, let's be 1905 and not 1917, which is such a weird reference to the Bolsheviks. You know, just basically mm. going let's find that optimism from before World War One. And it's like. Such a weird reference, and, and I think it pissed a few people off as well. Like, he is a very... Re- he went to Eton. He's a very well-read guy. He's from quite a wealthy family. Yeah, and, well. like, he brings that uh, to what he does. Uh, but he just also just loved hardcore and punk rock, so mm. what can you do? Yeah. He comes out of him. He's not easily put into a yeah. box. So, C- Casey mentioned that he quite liked the, the album. Yeah. Um, yeah, T- Tim Byron, did you get around to listening to Tape Day? No, I, I only listened to the song. I didn't get okay. to the album. Um, so I can't really comment on anything like that. But I, I have heard um, the England Keep My Bones album and like a couple of, a few other things. And the England Keep My Bones album, to me, and like what I've heard of him mostly, like there's some sort of lack of melodic kind of thing in there that I want there to be in his music that's not there. Like there's something in the like sort of simple chords or something like that, which sort of bores me a little and that it's not quite as bad in this song because it's a bit more up tempo and punky and stuff and that kind of you can get away with that in a different kind of way but yeah there's there's something missing in him for me okay so moving along from frank turner danny yow's uh pick of 2013 so if we just give that die a roll Okay, so what has come up is Despicable Me 2, which Woo-hoo! means it's Casey's pick. Okay, so this is um, an artist that um, 
I was actually put onto by uh, Danny. And so the song is called Follow Your Arrow. And this is by Casey Musgraves. Casey Atkins pick of 2013. <laughs> Casey, what does this song mean to you? Well, you know, Danny, uh, I think, posted a video, a live video of uh, her singing this song on his Facebook wall. And I just, it was just one of those random things that I had the time to click through to. And I did. And I just thought from the first couple of lyrics, I was, I was in, I was hooked at that point. Um, and so I went to the record and, and I love it. And she's got, this is something Danny and I've talked a lot about. Um, she's got that, uh, vibe of there's this humor in her lyrics, um, yet sweetness to her voice, which is just, um, which is just beautiful and across the whole record. Again, similar to the last song that we talked about, this is probably not my favorite song on the album, but it's the lead single. It's the song that if you search for her on YouTube, it's the one of there's like 400 versions of her playing it on various... (laughs) On various TV shows and award shows and whatever. So this is kind of the, um, you know, the, the selling song to this. But there are a lot better tracks on the record. But there's just something about her that, I don't know, uh, she's uh, she treads that line of American country, which is really, uh, which is a kind of a hard place right now because there's Taylor Swift on one end um, and there's Gillian Welsh on, and, and Lucinda Williams on the other end. And she kind of uh, sounds like Taylor Swift, but thinks like Gillian Welsh, and that's what I what I love about it, or, or something. I don't know if that's if that's a good yeah, way yeah. of putting it, or um, but I don't know. There's just something about this record that there's um, she's got a beautiful voice. It's really well um, arranged. The instrument choices and everything are great, and it's just a really enjoyable listen. It was one of those things that. Um, it was just nice to, to get something out of nowhere this year. And this was, this was one of those for me. 
Well, Danny, you you were all over this album. You put Casey onto it. Uh, what? what what are your thoughts? And sorry, I did forget to mention the uh, the name of the record as well, which is probably the other selling point. So the record is yeah, called... Yeah, it's great. Yeah, the record is called Same Trailer, Different Park, which is just gold. So, Danny... There, there's not a bad line on this no. entire record, is there? Like, they, she just... Uh, we'll talk about the other songs later, but... So I just got this song on an NPR uh, article. Like, just someone just reviewed it. Uh, and, yeah, from... And it, this is the first song I heard. Their story, they open with this song, and from that first opening couplet, yeah, I was like, and the person, and this was maybe, like, because I think she put out another single in America that didn't do great, which is Merry Go Round, and then eventually got around to doing Follow Your Arrow, which is really hit. So this was, like, really early in her career, maybe six months before she got really famous, and... Yeah, and that opening couplet really hit it for me. But the person compared her to Loudon Wainwright. Mm. And, like, you know, or, you know, and also Randy Newman and also all those things. Like, basically... Well, John Prine we've talked about and a lot. John Prine. Yeah. And those sort of old school, <laughs> freaking mid-50s smartasses. Uh, but here's one that is 23. Uh, and yeah. if you like those records, you'll love this one. And it definitely is that. Um, it is very commercial sounding, but I don't know if it would work better if it sounded like a Laura Marling album. Like it would sound, it's, it's actually great that she is, you know, in there making sweet pop songs that actually aren't that dark, but just fun and just having fun doing it and just really sweetly doing it with brains. Um, my, the other, only other thing I really want to say about her is that you know, all the press around at the moment about Jennifer Lawrence in The Hunger Games. Mm. And you look at her and you go, okay, obviously she's one step above and she has her head together a little bit more than, like, the other female role models out there in terms of, like, Miley Cyrus and fucking idiots like that. Uh, and you look at someone like Jennifer Lawrence and you go, fucking thank God there's someone like her in the world for young girls to look up to. Casey Musgraves, I think, is the same thing. She yeah. definitely looks like, you know, she just has thought about her life a little bit and has made decisions about what she won't and won't will and won't do and she knows who she is and that is very very great for her for an artist to have so i love her i love this record to death tim Barton. yeah this is an amazing song um that that opening cutlet that um if you save yourself for marriage you're um you're a boy if you don't save yourself for marriage you're a horrible person yeah and, and the way that just that horrible and the way she like lingers over that first syllable and makes you think she's going to say one thing and then doesn't and the other bit later on in the song like the son of uh and then she just talks mm. about you know she she doesn't finish that that line yeah. and talks about something else like there's lots of great things in that song like that this is a song um yeah it, it's a great song uh for, from a really great album and yeah as a song it's um it, it's just incredible the thing about this song that i think is um you know, Danny was talking about, like, John Prine and, like, uh, Loudon Rainwhite and stuff like that. To me, this song is totally and utterly Ben Folds as, as a song. She doesn't sing like Ben Folds, obviously. Oh, yeah. uh, but she, but, like, you know, he's got that kind of, like, he's a southern guy, like, talking about, like, what it's like to sort of grow up in, in the south, but being a bit of a weirdo. And that's basically kind of what this song is about, like, trying to sort of navigate the weird sort of cultural things that are going on in the south, like the kind of... The, the temptations of of the world versus like the kind of religious straight up kind of life and this song like really really gets at that in the same way that Ben Folds does in a song like you know like you to thank and, and stuff like that like it's yeah, right. I, I'm hearing that but yeah because she's got that kind of because she's 23 and female and has kind of a a gentler kind of 
voice in a way than Ben Folds does. Um, the 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 end effect is a little different, but like the yeah the kind of melody it is and the kind of um, yeah the, the kind of song it is and the kind of lyrics are things I can imagine Ben Fold saying. Except um, you know he, he he wouldn't hold back on the the swear words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so for me, um, I, I should point out this was a, a number one album in the country charts in the US. And it's been Grammy nominated very recently, but hasn't charted in Australia. Uh, but the thing with this song is that it's co-written by uh, two by Casey Musgroves and um, two people called Shane McAnally and uh, Brandy Clark. And and both Shane McAnally and Brandy Clark are um, a lesbian or gay. Right. And um, and so I think the the reason that this one of the reasons why this song works in particular in terms of the stuff that Casey was talking about before, uh, where it's kind of like it's kind of in that midway zone between Taylor Swift and the kind of very commercial country. And um, although she's not really commercial country anymore, she's gone into the pop world, but, um, and, and the Gillian Welsh kind of stuff. The reason I think it kind of works is it's, it's a song about kind of wanting to be accepted by the, the mainstream, wanting to kind of find that middle road where you can kind of live with the culture that you're, that you're in. And because, um, because that they kind of have that experience with it and she probably feels a similar kind of way as well. Um, having it kind of be basically a country song like that's pretty commercial sounding kind of works in that kind of way because it's got that I want to fit in kind of thing and that kind of restlessness. So it kind of works with the lyrics and it works with the kind of backgrounds of the people and where they're from and stuff, I think. So, yeah, so this, um, for me, yeah, it, it's a great song and um, there's this kind of movement at the moment in country music to have like sort of women with clever cutting lyrics who are talking about the modern world uh, and what it's like to live in it, and and yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, look, uh, no argument argument from me at all. It's a wonderful song. Cool. Um, look, everyone points out that that opening line, which has that very Auntie Mary had a canary yeah kind of thing about it, which is great <laughs> because you know it's it's such a a, a fun childish thing to do yeah and you know most people by the time they get around to recording an album have just outgrown that but she's she's really tapped back into it and you know she she gets that sense of fun which comes across in this song she's got such a great country voice and casey's right she straddles that line because yeah there's something very lucinda williams with a bit of a sly grin yeah uh going on with a lot of these songs but um Look, also for for someone so young uh, to be as astute a songwriter and lyricist in particular, uh, a lot of the, the lines on this album are just so well crafted and, yeah, beautifully put together. I mean, merry-go-round, which puns on the name Mary. Merry-go-round uh, Mer- is Yeah, for, for several lines, for but yeah. does so really well. And, look, it's it's a incredibly consistent album and yeah this it's as with Casey it's maybe not my favorite song from it but yeah it's such a great hook to get into it it's it's the real calling card um and if if you've not heard of her before to see, see or hear this on youtube is just such a great introduction to what she does and all of what she does is in here as well um, yeah. Which is, yeah, it's a, that's a great thing to have as a single as well, and it's not always the case. Um, yeah. Like you know, I would argue that's the case with the Frank Turner song, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think this one definitely has has it all, uh, all of what she does. The, um, the thing that um, Tim Byron was talking about, I actually disagree that I don't think it is a song about 
trying to find acceptance. I think it's a it's a song about fucking off. Fuck everyone I think else. it's I think it's I think it's fuck acceptance. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, in particular, the line, which is such a great line. I can't believe no one's ever used it. Which is uh, just 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 because you can't beat them, don't mean you should join them. Yeah, like yeah, just that is a great lyric in any. Like Bob Dylan would think that's a good lyric, you know. I like, think that's... I think it's a I think it's a song in a way about lack of acceptance. I don't think it's yeah. about trying to find it, yeah. but it is about lack of uh, acceptance or tolerance or whatever. Well, but I it's think... not about trying to find it. I don't think so much. Like maybe finding acceptance was the wrong way to talk about it. I think, but it was more trying to find your place. Yeah, like and you know that yeah. it's it's called follow your arrow, and it's trying about sort of find your place and to sort of be comfortable with who you are, as opposed to so you know smoke a joint or don't. Yeah, it's about trying to find like the place where you are comfortable, and like, and I think that's kind of why like it is in that kind of middle ground between the, um, you know, between the Guff Booksy kind of stuff and the, uh, you know, Gillian Welsh kind of stuff. Like in that middle ground is where she's comfortable, and I, um, yeah, I also I like the humor of that or don't yeah kind of thing. There's a, there's almost the kind of. Seinfeldian, careful with the qualifier. Yeah, <laughs> no, but, it's, but it's the same. So you know, kiss lots of boys. Yeah, or kiss lots of boys, or kiss lots of girls. If that's whatever. what you do, it's like yeah. whatever. That's <laughs> great. You know, but I, you know, in the context of country music, like saying or kiss lots of girls is actually kind of controversial in the <laughs> US, like in sure. the South, where the you know Fox News reigns supreme and stuff like that. So you know, the, saying that in kind of a gentle way is sort of the way that they've got to do it effectively, but. Um, you know, like, it, it is sort of trying to, like, find a place to be weird in this kind of weird society that's weird in different ways. Hmm. Yeah, look, uh, I think it's safe to say we all awesome. love, love the, <laughs> all love the album, but other highlights? Um, so, for me, Merry-Go-Round is, is yeah. certainly probably the, the standout. Um, I actually like a lot of the slower songs on this record. I love the closing track, which is um, It Is What It oh, Is. That's an amazing Which track. is absolutely amazing. I think Dandelion is beautiful, um, but also um, Blow and Smoke for the fun of it uh, yeah. is, is also a stand-up for me. It Is What It Is could be a Listen to Williams song. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, that is as heartbreaking as any song. Um, the, the one that really I just find in my head all the time is My House. Yeah. You know, water and electric and a place that, like, it's well, just such... She, she managed to rhyme something with septic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Tim Byron? And yeah, for me, um, yeah, merry-go-round merry is great. But I also really, um, like, as a result of this album, I discovered that Brandy Clark, who co-wrote this song, uh, existed. And she's got a great, great song that I love called Stripes. Okay. Oh, I, I haven't gone there yet. I'll, I'll have to check yeah, it out. Yeah, very much worth it. So before Tim gets to his, can I just say, yeah, the Brandy Clark record should be my top ten, but I just haven't spent enough time with it. But it actually makes me question who wrote this song and who put what in because every lyric on that, on that album is fantastic as well. Uh, look, Merry Go Around, I think, is a work of genius. Um, okay. it's, it's superb. And, yeah, that was... A strong contender for my picks uh, this week. Okay. So, yeah, look, um, Casey Musgraves, I think uh, our listeners would do well to, to follow us up on that if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, yeah, great work. And, yeah. Or don't. Or don't. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, a bit of a running tally. I think we can all print up some fuckier Casey Musgrove t-shirts amongst the audience. <laughs> yeah, I think so. so, Casey, if you'd want to roll the die again, please. Okay, it's come up with The Hobbit. 
which was the Whoa! film that Tim Byron chose. <laughs> so, 2013, Tim Byron, what's, uh, what tickled your fancy? Or you can choose something from the end of 2012, like The Hobbit, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's not 12 months old yet. So, anyway, I chose uh, Still Into You by Paramore. like the aqua dude <laughs> shot straight to the ceiling when I saw you'd pick this do explain so um, I, I've been doing the where this came into the charts kind of thing this was a number five single in, in Australia and a number eight single in the US and um, honestly I'd never paid much attention to Paramore before this their other big song that they've had so far is Decode which was on the Twilight soundtrack and um, you know Many of our listeners have turned off already because of the, just the mention of this Twilight soundtrack is like, not for me, that's for other people. So, um, yeah, and that was the kind of like angsty kind of pop punk kind of thing that people have been doing since Green Day's American Idiot and stuff like that. It had that kind of sound to it, but with a female vocal. And so, yeah, I wasn't that interested in that. And um, I wasn't really that interested in Paramore, uh, in anything I'd heard up until this. And I, um, I heard this on the internet I think I saw a review of it and I listened to it and I was just like uh, what the fuck is this this is awesome so I um, it's it's just a beautiful pop song it's just a, an amazingly well crafted well put together pop song that is just incredible it's got that kind of like really kind of herky jerky uh, verse and, and that kind of works in an interesting kind of way it doesn't sound like that kind of pop punky kind of thing to me and then you get to the to the chorus um, with, with this just beautiful lyrics about being in a long term relationship that's still awesome where I'm still into you and that's a, a sentiment I related to because um, I am still into my partner who uh, was actually in a band that made music that wasn't incredibly different to this song <laughs> apart from having pianos rather than guitars and so um 
Shane versus Well for those playing at home who are great, and you can find them on Bandcamp, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, so um, for me, it's just, it's just an incredible, beautiful song. As a pop song, like it just hits every button that pop songs are meant to hit. And it, um, I'm honestly not that fussed about the rest of the album. There's some okay songs. Like, there's one called Ain't It Fun, which is nice. And there's, like, a sort of a, a pretty up-tempo one called Ankle Biters, which, which is all right. But it's not really about the album. It's just about this as a pop song, which was um, of the songs that I paid attention to that got me towards the top of the charts, which I have to do for the Vine, because I do the number ones column where I talk about the number one singles. Uh, God, how many plugs song- are you getting in today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, is, um, this is a song that... Uh, that I was hoping would get to number one because it would have been awesome to have to write about it, but instead it was, um, I don't know, Katy Perry or something that got there instead. So I, I was always kind of bummed about that, and so I thought, yeah, I can talk about this song now because it's, it's bloody awesome. Okay, guys. Um, <laughs> look, I think it's fair to say this song was probably a fair way out of each of our orbits uh-huh. for 2013. Casey listening to it this week what did you think yeah well i mean i certainly had never heard it before and and paramore like when i saw that uh i thought aren't they just like the, the only other reference point i could think of with paramore i know this is probably unfair is that do you guys remember evanescence oh yeah mm. yeah it's not that unfair yeah to that to that, that song from the twilight soundtrack isn't that far off and so yeah yeah but, you know, the Twilight soundtrack thing is, is funny because one of my favourite bands from last year, The Bell Brigade, had a, a song on the Twilight soundtrack uh, as well. I which was great. Has been on the, so, <laughs> the Twilight so, you know, soundtrack. it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was pretty surprised. I was, I, um, it's okay. It's all right. The guitar riff is nice. Um, and the sentiment that you're talking about did certainly come through of the idea of still into you after, you know, how, however long. Um, but it's, it's certainly not something that I would have paid any attention to if I didn't have to, you know, it, it, like if it wasn't in this kind of context where I was, you know, had to listen to it. So um, probably wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But at the same time, when you put it forward as your is your choice, I was like, well, it's got to have something in it, right? Like, unless you're just trolling us, making us listen to <laughs> shitty songs, then well, it can't. D- Danny's can't, done it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Danny, um, wet, wet, wet. Yeah. <laughs> Love that song. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and I, so I, I came into it with that kind of open mind going that, um, that, so there must, there must be something to it. Um, and there is certainly something to it. Um, and it's not terrible, but I'll, I'll never listen to it again. Danny. Uh, I actually knew this song and I actually know Paramore quite well. I worked at Warner's and since I've worked on every record up until the new one, I have not directly other people I've worked with have worked on the records, but I've been very much aware of their records and this is a big change for them. They were mm. evanescent yeah. before this, I guess. I mean, they were kind of a bit more pop or green day, but they weren't happy. Yeah. Uh, they were a bit more fun on the first record, and then the second record was fucking way so 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 serious that I just wanted to stab myself in the eyes. <laughs> Ironically, the album's called Brand New Eyes, so I already got brand new eyes out of it. But um, <laughs> uh, but this one, it's not went, how it works, uh, this one is uh, it's great. It's it, it's a great little pop song. It was way better than I expected. So in terms of like batting above its weight. Uh, if I I have a soft spot for things like Sum 41 and things like that so you know if, I, I can easily think that if I was 17 I would probably love this song 
it's it kind of sounds like Weezer in a way. It has a cool little riff. It's gonna be chorus. She is fucking singing the crap out of it. Yeah. Um, but it's not for me. At the end of the day, I don't really relate to it. I've heard better riffs and whatever. But hey, it's a fine little pop song, and I hope there's a couple more. You know, uh, I hope more people sort of fall in love with sort of punky power pop after this. Uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of time for this song, but, you know, it's it's what it is. Yeah, look, it was an unexpected choice, and if we were doing the guess what each other uh, <laughs> would have chosen, I, I wouldn't have expected Paramore would have come up for Tim Byron at all. But, look, I'm, I'm glad we got to both listen to this and speak about it because it is such a, such a curveball and it's asking us to go beyond... Um, probably what we even intended this episode to be, mm. which is good. Um, look, the, this has a great chorus. This song is all, all of the chorus. And, you know, there's like three variations of the chorus that she just runs through because it's so damn good. And as Danny says, it's an amazing vocal performance. And that hook, that the hooks, plural, that she gets out of that chorus uh, are fantastic. Uh, the, the jerky kind of wannabe talking heads chorus uh, sorry verses um not so much i I could kind of see the the kind of the bristling energy thing going on there and um like there's a little bit of a seasick feel about it but some of the affectations on the voice that she uses during that that part of the verse puts me off a little bit and given that constitutes roughly 30% of the song that's still <laughs> 30% of that you've got you've got a way through but look um as far as chart stuff is concerned there's a, a grasp of melody in this song um and particularly the way they've put the chorus together that's that's really really good there's a lot of energy going on i think the 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 rush of guitars um sounds really good um even kind of the the guitars and the verses are, are really well produced and mm. sound great um even if i don't think they necessarily um fit the song or fit her voice but um look for for what this is it's a it's a really fine piece of work um the the casey musgraves jennifer lawrence thing i was saying about before like mm. you know there's there's something about young girls who don't want to be little sluts, who love <laughs> fucking Paramore. And it's great, because they just go, she's tough, she's fronting a band with, with dudes, and she's singing the songs, and she's a fucking good singer. Mm. She's not afraid to be pretty, but she's not afraid to be tough. Mm. Well, it's also... Yeah. It, the, the promo material for a lot of Paramore's stuff is, is quite interesting, because, you know, she's the female singer in a band. She would usually be front and centre, and the the other two guys would be out of focus in the background <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Uh, not the case with these guys. They're no. all very, they're very much a band. Um, she's usually standing off to the side of the other two. Um, That's deliberate. Which, yeah, no, definitely, definitely yeah. deliberate. But I think on their behalf, it's look, we're a band, and it's it's not about me being being a girl singer at all. Um, this is this is about our songs and what we do. Um, look, I listened to the album this week. I could I couldn't get through the whole thing to be honest. No, to be honest, um, I haven't been able to get through the whole album. As an yeah, album either. it's just about this song for me. I, I yeah, I, for this song. Yeah, I think and, Tim. Um, but Tim Byron's right. This um, this song is definitely the standout from from the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I think um, you, you were mentioning that kind of herky jerky thing in the verses being a little annoying, and I kind of agree in some ways. But I think there's something about the transition from that into the kind of more straight ahead chorus, which totally works and makes mm-hmm. it song for me. 
so that kind of bit isn't my favorite bit of the song, but like there's some good lines in there, but like there's the you know, when it gets to the chorus, it kind of makes the chorus feel that little bit bigger and, yeah. and, and serves as and a contrast. The, yeah, it's, it's a contrast there, which I think I'm getting. But yeah, with this song, um, the, the thing for me, the reason why I chose it, and I think you're a bit all confused about that, is it's just the song that's probably been stuck in my head the most this year. Um, for, for a song, like it just sort of comes back, and, I, and I've liked it being stuck in my head. It's, it's one of those kind of songs. So um, there's other things that I could have picked. I, I don't know, what did you think I would have picked? What were you expecting? Oh, we should go into that later. Yeah. We'll, uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just, just a quick question. How much of your, your writing in the last couple of years of uh, number ones in Australia and the charts has contributed towards, I mean, would you have maybe picked this song five years ago? No, definitely not. And, um, I mean, I did definitely, I, I figured you guys are going to pick, like, sad guys with acoustic guitars, so I didn't want to do that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I probably wouldn't wouldn't have done that, but um, yeah, this isn't this isn't something that I would have chosen. I think one of the things about pop music and um, and you know the the stuff which is in the charts and at number one is it's a genre like any other, and there's it takes a while to get used to it and the sound of it. And I remember when I first started doing the column, like I'd be listening to like some stupid song by LMFAO, and it would be painful to listen to. And I think it probably is for a lot of you guys to hear that stuff because you're not used to it. Like it, it's for me, it was painful to listen to because it was so sort of like abrasive and crass and, and, and banal and so but like having done that as a job effectively for a few years um like it, it's fine now i can listen to that lmfao song and i don't like it but it doesn't sort of um i don't have like an adverse sort of physical reaction to it anymore and so i think that kind of thing and, and getting used to how these songs sound means that i'm sort of more used to the kinds of things that even this song is doing to appeal to the people who actually get the song to number five in the charts like i think there's something in there that um mm. Yeah, that I'm getting that you guys aren't, perhaps. Hey, I listen to this song every day. <laughs> I oh, work every day. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, you, know. well, you like the song, so that Casey yeah. was just like, oh, I'm never going to listen to this song again. So, yeah, I have to. I don't life. know. I think it's going to get stuck <laughs> in your head and then it'll come back and it'll be there on Spotify in the playlist or an audio in the yeah, playlist. I, I mean, like, eh. yeah, I, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to listen to this song again, but if it, if it came on the TV or on a, on a random play of select because it's now in my collection due to this i would yeah. not be i would not be unhappy at all all right cool yeah all right i've introduced you to something cool yeah <laughs> that brings us to our final pick of 2013 for this evening which we don't need a roll of the dice for um the film that would have come up was let's face it far and away the the greatest film of 2013 Look, it's, it's the Citizen Kane of shark films <laughs> involving tornadoes. It was Sharknado, which means it's my pick. And um, look, my uh, the song I picked is from my favourite album of the year. Uh, the song is Josh Ritter with New Lover.
a ghost There are times I cannot speak your name For the catching in my throat There are things I will not sing For the sting of sour notes I feel like a miser I feel low and mean For accusing you of stealing What I offered you for free Still it beggars the belief Sometimes what these we lovers be Someone new And if you are I hope he treats you Like a lover ought to do But whoever makes you happy It don't really matter who I've got a new lover now I hope you've got a lover too Okay, so that was Josh Ritter with New Lover, uh, probably the saddest guy with an acoustic guitar that we've uh, encountered tonight, although Frank Turner would have given him a decent run. Yeah. Um, look, I've been a big fan of Josh Ritter for quite some time, and look, it, this starts oddly because someone once said to me, hey, there's this guy who looks exactly like you. And I was like, yeah, what kind of, chi- what kind of chicks does he draw? And <laughs> after that, I went and listened to his music. And I'm like, yeah, this guy's actually really, really good. And look, Hello Starling and The Animal Years were both wonderful albums. And look, the thing with Josh Ritter, he's always been a short story writer in a singer-songwriter's potty. And I think his work's meandered a little bit for the past couple of years because this is a guy with so many ideas that he just keeps throwing them out there. He's had a little bit, little bit of Ryan Adams-itis for a few years that you, you don't need to release absolutely everything um great term. <laughs> but yeah look it's um it's been a real return to form uh i think obviously the back background to this song and this album is that he went through went through a very unexpected divorce um which left him in quite a bad state um and also the other big precipitating factor he he pu- finally published a novel uh, which is what he'd always been threatening to do. And I think that was a good thing because uh, it meant part of his writing was oriented more to where, towards where it should be. And, yeah, um, this song is a lot more stripped down lyrically than some of the some of his previous album previous albums have been. And I think that, that shows in the, in the songs. They're a lot tighter. Uh, they're a lot more thematically cohesive. Um, this song is a breakup record. Uh, people compared it to uh, Blood on the Tracks, but it's more Tunnel of Love. It's more introspective. It's more self-focused. I think it's a really beautiful album. It's um, it's all facets of a breakup too. He's not necessarily trying to make himself look good. He's willing to be a jerk on songs such as such as this one, where uh, there's a few moments of um, real spleen that come out, but you know, there's also moments where he's quite magnanimous as well. And look, this song really captures that bittersweet uh, kind of sentiment. And for a song that was pegged as a as a breakup album, there's actually look, there's three female voices 
uh, on this song, which was his ex-wife, Dawn Landis, uh, his new partner. Was that his ex-wife? Yeah, it was his ex-wife. Yeah. His, I love Dawn Landis. Yeah, uh, who's a very good singer-songwriter herself. Um, his current partner, Hayley Tanner, the author, and his new daughter, who was born during the making of this album. Um, so, yeah, there's kind of the subtext of this is that, um, look, it is him moving on with his life and um, and getting over that and you know I think part of this was the breakup for him was he didn't have words to to be able to talk about it you don't necessarily have a language to describe this we've all been through it but um, yeah you don't necessarily have the words to put to it and this album's very much about finding the words to put for it it's discovering a language and that's always the strongest thing of uh, Josh Ritter's work is that um, there's a real love of language there and this is him falling back in love um, both with someone and and with words and look this song in particular that comes across it's very wordy in the way not quite in the way that the Frank Turner song was but um, look you get some real gems in there um, they're just so well crafted and they feel so tossed away mm -hmm. uh, he's so casual about what a great uh, a great lyricist he is and um, look musically it's just got a really good driving rhythm some of those guitar sounds are really really lovely and yeah it's there's a lot of dylan in this song hence the blood on the tracks uh comparisons and there's a lot of paul simon as well um and yeah look i think this is beautifully put together and i, I really like that way that it is kind of it you know it's showing all aspects of of what he went through and it's not glossing it over and yeah i think it's really honest and and lovely song but yeah, I'm fascinated to hear. So, typically, you get that. Um, how long ago was that breakup? Like in the uh, four years ago? Or no, year it ago? was I think 2000, 2011. Yeah, the, yeah, they hadn't been married long uh, when when their marriage broke up. So, who's the the mother of the daughter? Is Haley Tanner his, his okay, new his new one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so look, I'm interested to hear what other people thought. Um, I'll start with um, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, so Josh has been one of those artists that I've sort of lightly followed. You know those artists? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Part of it was because in the early 2000s, I was doing the country music show on FBI. So I got sent a Hello Starling, uh, Animal, and maybe even Conquest. Mm -hmm. uh, but the fir my first encounter with him was the Golden Age of Radio. Someone put me and Mr. Jiggs on a mix CD for me. Remember those? Uh, and it was like track three on that mix CD. And Is I that kind of like it. a playlist? It's kind of like a playlist <laughs> with a bit of metal. And, um, and... <laughs> Is it on the torrents? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, but uh, maybe because my taste in music, I was sort of at an abundance of one guy with an acoustic guitar singing lovely songs. That, you know, whether it's Ron Sexsmith or whatever, it was just like, it was all the same. I always enjoyed the records for a little bit and then moved on. And then I lost track of him. So Conquest, I didn't even listen to, really. Uh, and so, yeah, this was really lovely. It was, when you put on the list this week, I was expecting a really lovely song. And, and it's exactly what it is. Uh, I know how good a musician he is. Uh, I didn't know the story of the heartbreak and all that sort of stuff. But it's, it is what this guy and what these guys do really well uh and yeah it's a very very lovely song the guitar playing is really interesting that like what they're doing on the acoustic guitar is something that 
it's it's so different and something I wouldn't approach with. But at the end of the day, these guys, and Josh in particular, lives and dies by what he's singing about. It's he's a he's a, he's a good guitar player, but you know he's never going to be better than like David Rawlings or Paul Simon or Bob Dylan or well, well probably better than Bob, Bob, Bob Dylan. Yeah, but like, <laughs> you know, it's not about that virtuosity. It's about getting your emotions on the table and. Yeah, it is uh, such a lovely song. I had a listen to the Beast in uh, was it the Beast in, in its tracks? I was going to say the Beast in Me um, this week, and yeah, it was as good as I imagined it. I don't really listen to stuff like this anymore, so I think the years passing by made Josh Ritter more sweet for me. But I totally know who he is and and know, understand how much he's respected in this world. And yeah, this is a lovely, lovely track. Casey, so Josh Ritter is someone that. Um Again, like the, the amount of music that we just get from our friends. So this is totally someone that you, Tim Coyle, pointed me in the direction of a couple of years ago. And quite specifically, it was the Animal Years at the time, um, which is something that, uh, which was a record that I that I really, really liked for a long time. And, and then I remember us having a conversation at the time because all of the other records annoyingly dropped off the streaming services for yeah. some reason. So I kind of didn't go to many many of the other ones unfortunately just because they weren't really around um and i wasn't quite at the point to buy them but i was you know happy to, to be listening to them on the streaming um and because i haven't been listening to a lot of new music this year um i missed this record completely i didn't even know it existed until you put this song on the on the list which is really disappointing because i would have liked to have heard it because this is a really really lovely song to me it's um I haven't had enough time to sit with it as much as I would have liked to as well. But for me, it's it's um, reminding me of what I really liked about the animal years. And it seems to be a really nice sort of continuation of that. And listening to what you have talked about in terms of what the record's actually about <laughs> seems like a fascinating thing to um, to spend a little bit more time with. So I intend to do so. But fortunately, I don't have a lot more to say about it than that, and, and except that it's a really lovely song by an artist that I do have a lot of time for but haven't spent enough time with, especially this year. Hmm. Tim Byron. For me, uh, going back to Josh Ritter, my <clears throat> relationship with Josh Ritter over the years, um, I remember hearing, I think it might have been the Golden Age of Radio or Hello Star at Starling, and actually finding it pretty boring. Like, uh, I could hear that there were, like, good, good words and stuff in there, but, like, something about the music was a bit boring to me. And so I didn't really get into Josh Ritter until the historical conquests of, of Josh Ritter, which had, like, the first sort of three or four songs that sort of sounded... The one that sounded a bit like Spoon and there was like a lot of Dylan in there that I could hear and the kind of, you know, nicely wordy kind of Dylan trying to get every word out kind of thing. And, um, and so that album I really, really connected to and then I went back and discovered that Animal Years was also really good as well. Um, and, yeah, I remember the, the one that So Runs the World Away, which is the one that came out in 2010 or so, was something that I, I listened to that like once or twice and I was like, eh... Um, there's something missing from that. There was a couple of nice songs. And so I, I went and listened to uh, The Beast Winners tracks when it came out and I put it on Spotify and probably listened to it, uh, you know, two or three times and was like, yeah, this is all right. But like it, I didn't go back to it. And so it was actually kind of cool that Tim Coyle picked uh, New Lover and I, I did, you know, have a chance to listen to a song and sort of pay attention to it because it's great. Um, you yeah, know, New Lover is, is a really great song. It's got that kind of nice intro um, it, it was interesting on the, on the Spotify playlist where I had all these songs because uh, the Frank Turner song ends really quickly. Um, it ends quite suddenly, and the it, so so it ends, and then the very start of hey, uh, 
a new lover starts in and like I, I keep forgetting that they're different songs so that's where it's starting so like something about that playlist works but anyway um as a song it's great it's got that kind of um you know that kind of anger and confusion and kind of like mixed emotions that you get when you break up with someone and, yeah. and it really captures that really well like that kind of ability to um you know that like people feeling it three different things at once and the kind of incoherence of that. And he really captures that where he says like all these things that don't really make sense, but they're the things that make sense when you know that this is what you feel where your feelings don't make sense because feelings often don't. And so um, the thing that always fascinated me about Josh Ritter is that he's got a psychology degree, I think, or a neuroscience Uh, degree. Well, both his parents are uh, neuroscientists and he began studying neuroscience, but music was his love. So he started, he studied music instead. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. um, So I've got that in common with him because I've got a a degree in psychology, but I I kept at it. (laughs) Unlike those um, people who give up on stuff. (laughs) But but, uh, yeah, maybe it'd be different if you had two, two of neuroscientists for parents or whatever. I'm sure that'd colour the way you see these things or why you go into it. But yeah, so I, I feel like I do have stuff in common with him and I can relate to where he's going for. And he's a really clever writer who is, you know, very able to put his own emotions into a song but and do so in a very crafty kind of way that, you know, that gets at the feeling of something. And so, yeah, so I um, I, I still don't think I've given the beats in his tracks enough time, but yeah. Tim Coyle rem- reminding me of this is this is mean I've gone back to it a bit and probably will do so a bit in the future. Yeah, look, it's a very understated album and you know, it's it's very quiet, it's very restrained. It's not going to be everyone's cup of tea and it's certainly not one that gra- grabs you by the hair and uh, and kind of throws you throws you up in the air, but I think it's it's a really good distillation of what he does and it, it's kind of I think he's pared away a lot of the extraneous stuff. And now that, you know, he's, he, he is a published author, mm-hmm. um, I think he, he may not feel the urge to just kind of throw absolutely everything at his songs anymore, which is maybe a good thing. And look, um, I follow him very closely. Um, and, you know, he, he's reached a point in his, his career where, look, he's got his audience. He does pretty well for himself he's got a very devoted audience and you know part of me there's just the shame that he never really kicked on like you know there's just not that much difference between you know he could be as big as iron and wine there's no reason that he's not other than look his label folded v2 Mm. folded um, oh he's on v2 yeah yeah at a very bad time for him but the thing is he just he just went kept going and kept doing well, what he's done. And his background is like that. He wasn't finding success in the US, so he moved to Ireland and just started playing bars there. And Glenn Hansard took him under his wing and made him do absolutely everything with the frames. And he had an audience in the UK and Ireland before he had one in the US. And he was selling tapes out of the back of cars kind of thing. Hmm. And yeah, He so did he, okay with um, this album in terms of the US yeah. charts. It debuted at number 22. So yeah, I mean, he just quite- keeps at it. He's just going to be one of those people who eventually people will just get into he seems like he's got like the very cult artist kind of thing going on for him yeah you can definitely see that he's uh, he he will have longevity as well so uh speaking of josh richard fans um (laughs) there's i listen to and i still listen to and i get the podcast for desert island discs the uk show which has been going for decades in which every sort of important person 
in the world has been on, not just celebrities in the entertainment world. And two weeks ago, they had Ed Miliband, <laughs> the leader of the opposition of the Labour Party, mm. and he chose a Josh Ritter oh, song. Really? So this is just two weeks ago, before you brought this on the list. So I haven't thought about him for almost five, six mm. years. And he chose Change of Time, which wasn't a song I was familiar with. Mm. It was on that record. the lead track from So Runs the World. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting to hear that freaking the leader of the opposition in the UK loves Josh Ritter. So, you know. Did he, he choose has... Steve Miller Band? No. No. <laughs> um, That's the lesser known Miller Band brother. Yeah. <laughs> or better known. Or the most well known, depending oh, yeah. on who you are. So yeah, so uh, yeah, so it's interesting. He's just one of those people who pops up. He pops up in the odd compilation and soundtrack and doing stuff. Yeah, he's he's, he's there's a bit of nearly man about him, which is a shame because he's so much better than that. And yeah, look, um, I, I enjoyed this album so much this year. I, I was really really happy that it turned out the way it did, and that he his, he has stated he feels such a sense of accomplishment having having written this and you know that's that's a wonderful thing for him especially coming off the back of something as traumatic as as that divorce um and also um little known fact with josh ruder the australian connection he spent quite a few years in adelaide oh really yeah he, he grew up around the corner from my wife yeah right <laughs> right Which, given we look very similar is quite wow. creepy <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, that brings us to uh, that's the final uh, song of those that we picked as our favourite of 2013. Uh, We might just head around the table to um, ask the question uh, regarding 2013 in music, uh, what other honourable mentions there might be, and I might start with Casey Atkins. Sure, 2013's been a really funny year for me in music, and I mentioned, I kind of alluded a couple of times to the fact that I haven't listened to a lot of new music, and that's really because I started studying at university this year and did a musicology course for the last couple of, or basically for the last six months, which has meant that I've really had to fill my ears with. Um, Well, actually, look... There are a couple of reasons I haven't listened to a lot of new music. The university course is one thing, so I've listened to so much more Bach and Mozart than in the last six months than I've ever No, not yet. (laughs) That'll come in the next couple of years. So Bach and Mozart and all of that, you know, et al. Um, I've had to listen to... I don't want to say had to, but I've listened to the songs from this podcast... No, right, yeah. Um, you know, that that's music that I've needed to listen to as well. And I've needed to learn songs to play in um in the cover band that I play. So there's been weeks where I've listened to like um the Rolling Stones, uh the Spice Girls and Mozart in like a loop and it's weird. <laughs> and so <laughs> and and that, that's the reason why there are quite a lot that's gone over my head. Like, you know, the Josh Ritter record on any other year, I would have it, I would have noticed that it was out and given it a listen, but I've just kind of lost a lot of that this year. Not for any bad reason. Like, it's just one of those things that my direction's just kind of changed a little bit this year. So, you know, that, it is what it is. In terms of what I have heard and that I've liked, um, the Nico Case record, which is up on my wall, um, is awesome and I've been a fan of Nico Case for you know 10 years and it's for me her last record was a little bit of a dip and this one is a really nice um 
uh, kind of, I don't want to say return to form because the last one wasn't necessarily a loss of form, but I didn't love it. But this one I love, so it's a great record. Um, did any of you guys hear the Adelita solo record? Mm. The Gotham Magic no. Dirt? Yeah. It's great. It's really good. Yeah, that was a, that was a corker. Um, I quite... Uh, I quite dug the Haim album. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, I thought right. it was quite yeah. nice. You know, I thought it was kind of cool. And um, and and my son Jarvis liked it as well. And and, and he's five. So there you go. Nearly midnight in Honolulu from the Nico Case record is an unbelievable track that anyone can write a song like that. I don't know if you guys know it. Mm. It's a story oh, about. Listen. It's completely a cappella. And it's the story about Nika Case uh, at an airport watching a parent tell off their little kid and just saying to them, get the fuck away from me. Why don't you ever shut up? Um, and it just, it hurts to listen to. Which And that album, which as a whole is almost completely about bad parents. Um, yeah. Is kind of the thematic thrust mm. of it, which, you know, that's quite a brave place to go. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Okay, Danny, 2013 for you. Um, I spent a lot of time listening to things I didn't need to listen to for work because I listened to for work. So, like, things like Haim, uh, I guess, and Chiverches. And Chiverches. Um, uh, like a sausage. And, and Lady Gaga. Um, I just, like, uh, I just, I guess I just got to listen to so much that I, I went deeper and I went the other way. So, people like Frank Turner and Casey Musgraves and stuff. Uh, of... Like, I'll be posting a link to my top 10 records of the year. The things that I, I guess are interesting that I liked this year was, like, the Laura Marling record, just unbelievable. Fucking unbelievable yet, yet again. She's just so amazing. Uh, I love the new Travis record. I know you guys all hate them, but it was just... It just was such a, a comforting blanket for me this year. Melody Poole, another female singer-songwriter from, from Newcastle. Uh, amazing record. And... Uh, a couple of soundtracks I want to make a point of. Just the About Time soundtrack. Uh, go see the film. It's The soundtrack's amazing. And then Inside Lewin Davis, the the new Coen Brothers film. It's not out yet, but I've had the soundtrack for a few months. It's The Sound of 1962. It's before Dylan yeah. fucked up music. It's got to be good. <laughs> and it's just... Like, it is early, early folk music in the 60s vein, all protest songs and stuff. And it's, it's very, very beautiful. And, and they'll do with that what with early 60s and late 50s what they did with Bluegrass with yeah. Oh Brother We're Out There so that is just an amazing record yep Tim Byron for me it's been a great year for music as far as I'm concerned um, I listen to music for, I don't really I, I write about number one singles and like talk about like the songs uh, of the 90s in this podcast but like I don't really do much um, listening to new music for work so it's kind of fun for me to listen to new stuff and so I enjoy doing that for my own amusement and yeah there's been lots of great stuff from this year um Bill, Call Bill Callahan's new album is great and the first track on that The Scene has like some of the best lines in music uh this year which are beer thanks beer thanks <laughs> and just in context that's just the best line in music this year <laughs> that was it, uh, it, Mojo's album of the year yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I did make a point uh, before about talking about Sad Guys with Acoustic Guitars, and I do love Sad Guys with Acoustic Guitars, <laughs> yeah. don't get me wrong, because one of my other favourite albums from this year was uh, Southeastern by Jason Isbell, which is just fantastic, and Elephant is just killer as a song. Yeah. It's just incredible, and that was another thing I was pretty close to picking. Um, getting away from Sad Guys with Guitars, 
Uh, I really like the, um, the Janelle Monet record from this year as a record. Um, there's some just some great, great stuff on it. Like her collaboration with Prince, like the two of them, like just Janelle Monet and Prince on the same record was always <laughs> going to be awesome. I, I, and it was. I would have sworn blind that was what you were going to pick as what it, as your song for this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so that was something I was definitely thinking, uh, thinking about. I. Uh, what else did I like? I really like the Mark Muldray album from this year. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. just a fantastic album, and it's, like, really uh-huh. underrated. It's got this great sort of Tom Waitsy kind of sound to it that ends up sort of being a bit eelsy because of the sound of his voice. And so, yeah, that's just great. Um, I'm actually really disappointed that I forgot to mention that on my, my honourables because that Mark Muldray record's an absolute cracker. Yeah. Um, so for, for anyone who doesn't know Mark, he's um, uh, a local guy from the Central Coast. Um, used to play in a band called Hitchcock's Regret a couple, um, number of years ago. But he's had a couple of solo records. And um, I think, I mean, I know him reasonably well. I don't know if you guys have met him. But yeah. You probably have, Tim. Um, but it, just a lovely, lovely guy. And the record was produced by um, uh, Jamie, Jamie Hutchings from, from Blue Bottle Kiss. And it's just stunning. Absolutely What's the record stunning. called? It is called... An Ear to the Earth. An Ear to the Earth. Thank you. But yeah, there's other there's other stuff that I'm like. There's so much good music. Um, in terms of Australian stuff, the Drones record was really great. I, I quite like the Courtney Barnett uh, double EP, which is really a record. And um, one thing that uh, that I forgot to mention that that's great, and I can probably keep talking for for years, so I'll stop on this one. Is um, a record by Harper Simon, who's the son of Paul Simon, and it's a record called Division Street, and it's it's really nice. It's really kind of Elliot Smith or um, like that kind of style of stuff. Um, he, he doesn't quite have his father's voice, uh, but who does? Uh, but the, yeah, the, the record has got that kind of, you would swear it was produced by John Bryan and, and it's, it's great. And, um, yeah, that, and, um, I said I'd stop, but, uh, yeah, the Jonathan <laughs> Wilson record is really great too, which also has like, it just goes here, there and everywhere. It's the kind of record that has, uh, Crosby and Nash on backing vocals because it really should have Crosby and Nash on backing <laughs> vocals. And it's awesome. Yeah, look, uh, I'm I'm with Tim Byron with this uh, bit of an embarrassment of riches this year. Uh, I'm look, I, my work doesn't involve listening to to new music anymore, which is great because yeah, I can just uh, listen to what I want when I want. Um, you know, I love the Josh Ritter album was and it was my favorite this year. Funnily enough, um, look. It was my favourite this year, but it was by a tiny, tiny margin. Uh, the the runner-up by not much was uh, Alila Diane, uh, oh, her right. album About Farewell. And the thing is, it's the flip side to um, to Josh Ritter's album in a way because this is about the woman that leaves and uh, her journey after that. Uh, it's really beautiful and haunting. And, yeah, there's a lot of Joni Mitchell and Sandy Denny in there, which is, you know, that's, that's very much a sweet spot for me. Um, Tim Byron mentioned Jason Isbell. Uh, Southeastern is a fantastic yeah, record. Beautiful. And, look, um, it's great to see him put out a fantastic album as a solo artist, as the secretary of the Drive-By Truckers Sydney Appreciation Society, which consisted of myself and Danny uh, <laughs> since 2001. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, look, it's, it's great to uh, have heard him put 12 consistent yes. songs together, which has not always been the case no. with him. Um, 
uh, of other things, uh, the Milk Carton Kids, um, yeah. their album, um, Ash and Clay, which very bluegrass, but it's... Hey, look, if we don't get a Gillian Walsh and David Rawlings record, yeah, at least we get a Milk Carton Kids record. Yeah, that's just as good. <laughs> People um, told me about this. I haven't heard it yet and I'm dying to. Oh, have you not? Yeah, no, it is really, really good. Very delicate and uh, beautifully put together. There's... Um, my wife keeps describing it as Simon and Garfunkel do bluegrass and yeah, uh, I think that's, um, that's about the sum of it. Um, look, Danny, um, kind of put down churches. I was... Churches. Uh, <laughs> I love I, that record. Yeah, I was a hair away from nominating The Mother We Share for this year, but yeah, that was my fa- that was my favourite song from last year when it was uh, oh, released yeah. for a single for the first time. Yeah. So I thought, in fairness... <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's Ultimate I Images would... plus New Order equals Chiverches. Yeah, uh, <laughs> look, it, it, is, it is a really strong album, start to finish, and, yeah, a, kind of a meteoric rise. But, look, they've, I think... To a large degree, they've justified the hype. Mm. So, good on them. And, yeah, that's kind of... That's the pointy end mm. for me. But, as I say, um, 2013 was a really great year, uh, music-wise, yeah, for me. So, um, yeah, um, I think we've we've all done pretty well in that regard. So, what we'll do to finish off, we'll just go around the room and see what uh, other people's favourite song of the others that were chosen were so i will start with tim byron i got a feeling i know who's gonna win here but yeah yeah <laughs> i think i think you're going to win casey you <laughs> choosing follow your arrow mm. danny uh i didn't really say it before but yeah my favorite album of the year was the frank turner one by a very very close margin casey musgraves would have been second so yeah follow your arrow definitely one of the better songs of the year mm. casey you can't choose follow your arrow again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so i'll choose the frank turner song recovery definitely yeah and yeah look Casey Musgraves uh, wins it for me as well. So there you go. Go Casey Musgraves. Casey Musgraves. Wins 90% hits 2013. Okay. Well, that brings us to a close for uh, 90% hits, the 2013 edition. Uh, Casey, would you like to fill our remaining listeners in on our (laughs) web presence? (laughs) You know what? If you've ever listened to the podcast before, you know where to find it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim Byron, Tumblr. Do t- yeah, tum- Tumblr. If you're not already following the Tumblr because you haven't listened <laughs> to like, you know, 10 episodes of this podcast before, at least, um, you should because it's awesome. But um, if we haven't convinced you already, we're not going to. So, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and look, we, we should love it. We'll all be doing a top 10 list and some such for. Sure. this particular episode up on the top sure. so head on over and check that out and look before we go the greatest christmas present of all for us is if we could figure out what the hell happened to mary follow your arrow is such a follow your arrow indicative album indicative song so if you listen to that on the podcast and like it so far you'll probably like the rest yeah but, yeah look but I'm very glad we got or maybe you won't oh, 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 oh. that's just for like an arrested development joke yeah. that anything we say now is like well don't <laughs> yeah I, look I'm very glad we got to talk about this album yeah cool mm. that's great yeah should we have a quick beer break? Yeah. Also, yeah. should we turn on like? Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> or, or open a window, like a blind. Or don't. Or don't. No. <laughs> <laughs>